and thanks for tuning in to the Breast Cancer Action Podcast. Breast Cancer Action is not your average breast cancer organization, and this is not your average podcast. We're people-powered and we're fiercely independent, radical and compassionate. We never shy away from the hard truths. We bring you the facts and we tell it like it is about breast cancer and what you can do about it. Hi, welcome to our first episode of Breast Cancer Action's podcast. I'm Karuna Jagger, the Executive Director of Breast Cancer Action, and I'll be your host. We're here today to talk about the politics of the pink ribbon and the history of our Think Before You Pink campaign. I'm really excited to have our guest Yamini Rancho join us today. Yamini is an epidemiologist who was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, In addition to serving on Breast Cancer Actions Board, Yamini serves on the board of Bay Area Young Survivors. And it's just been such a joy to work with Yamini in the year plus that she's been on our board. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Thanks, Karina. Thanks for having me on today. I'm excited to be a part of the first podcast, um, especially since it's about the pink ribbon, which is an issue that I have um, had to learn more about since I've been diagnosed with breast cancer and an issue that's important to me. I was thinking about my own experience with the pink ribbon in preparation for this podcast today. And, you know, I was walking the dog and I realized that I've been around pink ribbons for basically my entire adult life. You know, I think the first pink ribbons came onto the scene in the early 1990s, which is about the time I was turning 20. So for many years, I thought a pink ribbon product, you know, certainly at worst was harmless and at best might as well add some money to an important cause. And I think like a lot of people, my feelings about that evolved over the years. Um, And so I'd love to hear your story, Yamini, and and hear what got you to this um, issue. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear that it wasn't kind of a straightforward thing for you either, because I, I almost, when I think about it now that I know more, I'm almost a little embarrassed that I didn't kind of see past it a little bit more. And I kind of, I'm like, how could I have not seen that? But um, I never thought too much about it. It was there. I saw it on a lot of things. And sometimes it may have influenced me to choose something over something else um, if it had a pink ribbon on it. But I just kind of assumed it would in some way benefit a worthy cause. And I didn't think to question it. And there's something about the pink ribbon that I think inspires trust. You kind of see it and you're like, it how could this not be a good thing? And I, I'm still not sure why it never struck me that it could be misused. My first kind of inkling that something wasn't right was actually related to a breast cancer walk. Um, one of my dearest friends from college, Danielle Drumkey, came out to San Francisco to organize the volunteers for the Avon Breast Cancer Walk. And she... Um, Oh, it's sad for me to say this. She ended up being diagnosed with a brain tumor and ultimately died of brain cancer. Um, she didn't have health insurance while she was working for Avon. And, and you know, we friends wanted to come together after she died. You know, we were in our 20s and it was um, a profound experience for us. And we wanted to figure out how to 
come together and, and kind of do something in her honor. At first, we thought the obvious thing was we should do the Avon Walk. And it was just as we were beginning those conversations that Breast Cancer Actions Think Before You Pink campaign was asking questions about where all that pink ribbon money went. And that mm-hmm. was my first exposure was um, as, you know, sort of a potential walker. And like you, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is shocking. How could I not have thought about this before? Um, And so that was long before I came to Breast Cancer Action. Um, But it shaped my thinking as soon as I found out about the Think Free Pink campaign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting to hear because the first time I really started to question it was when I also heard about the Think Before You Pink campaign. Um, But before that, when I was when I was first diagnosed with breast cancer, I, I was always generally conscious about trying to choose like you know, personal care products that were free of chemicals. Um, and I became more acutely aware of that when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I would go to the store and I would read labels because I had also become more sensitive to smells and my skin was more sensitive during and after treatment. And, and seeing the pink ribbons everywhere suddenly had a different kind of impact on me. One, it was just, it was just a constant reminder of my own situation, but it was also super confusing to me that they were on products that had chemicals on them that I was trying to avoid because they had, um, you know, they had chemicals on them that were related to breast cancer risk, like, you know, things that are hormone disruptors. And so I didn't know how to process that. I just knew it didn't make a lot of sense. And so even though I had felt I, I had friends, for example, who would do a walk for me or who had bought me a bracelet with a pink ribbon on it that said hope. And I thought, well, those are such acts of love. And I feel like I don't quite understand. I, it was very confusing because I didn't something that I thought was so innocent and even helpful. Suddenly, I mean, it made me think about like, what does the pink ribbon actually mean? I don't think I know what it means. Does money go towards um, anything when there's a pink ribbon on it? So I had all these questions because I couldn't quite figure it out. I thought there must be some kind of rule about what you can put a pink ribbon on when I know now that there really isn't. But that got me to breast cancer action. And one of the things that I found really fascinating was the history of the pink ribbon because I I think I never knew that. And so I would love to hear more about that because I, I really, I found it kind of shocking and fascinating that I didn't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, you know, the pink ribbon has been around for just about 30 years nearly. And um, it actually began as a peach colored ribbon. It was first a, a ribbon that this woman, Charlotte Haley, put on um, these postcards calling for more funding for federal research into cancer prevention. She was really upset about the number of women in her life who were being diagnosed with and dying from breast cancer. So she just started putting these ribbons on postcards, standing outside grocery stores, handing them out. And she basically got a lot of media attention. Um, It was really successful. It was sort of during this era of ribbons, you know, the yellow ribbon for the troops and the red ribbon for HIV Mm -hmm. AIDS. And so she had this peach colored ribbon. So she got some national media attention, which is pretty amazing for just, you know, a woman in Southern California doing this thing. Self Magazine and Estee Lauder were starting to look at what they could do to build their brand. And they reached out to her and said, hey, let's partner. She was replied that they were too corporate for her. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. She knew it at the time. Uh, it was like she was prescient. And she, anyway, they 
Self Magazine and Estee Lauder's lawyers told them that all they needed to do was change the color. So they did what any good corporation does, and they did a bunch of focus groups to kind of test their product. And people said that pink was soft and cheerful and feminine and soothing and, you know, all the things that breast cancer is not. But the pink ribbon was then born. And when the peach ribbon turned pink, that focus on prevention, which was really Charlotte Haley's focus, shifted to corporate profit. And I think that really says everything about today's pink ribbon. You mentioned you assumed a lot of money would be donated to programs. And, you know, we know that some pink ribbon products don't donate any money to any breast cancer program. What would you think if you were when you were buying those pink ribbon products before you changed your thinking or became more skeptical? How much money did you think went to a breast cancer organization? I mean, I guess I didn't really know, but I, and maybe this is just wishful thinking, but when you see that, you kind of think, oh, some kind of substantial amount is going either, you know, some fixed dollar amount, like maybe something cost $40 and they're donating 15 or 20 of that even, or maybe they're donating some fixed percentage, like 25% or more. But I, I, I kind of thought there was some substantial chunk of that going towards um, going towards some kind of cause that was benefiting breast cancer prevention, treatment, research. It, it seemed to me like if you were going to prominently display something like that on your product, that probably you were doing something really good with that with that extra money. Yeah, I think that same. And um, and I think one of the things that really disturbed me was learning that there's a lot of organizations that are just putting pink ribbons on their products just to spread awareness and that there's no right. donation that goes to any program. Um, and at this point, you know, we're all because aware. Because we need more so. awareness. <laughs> exactly. And so even, and that's the other problem is even when, you know, money does go to a breast cancer organization, too often that organization is just focused on awareness and not really getting to the root of the breast cancer epidemic. Um, I was thinking about the term breast cancer industry, which I've heard said a lot. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that, again, gets at the interlocking pieces and the ways that different entities are making so much money in the name of breast cancer. If we go back to the very founding of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, basically it was a company that both, you know, these multi-billion dollar behemoth companies have so many different subsidiaries and arms. And on the one hand, they were producing this pesticide that folks were concerned was increasing the risk of breast cancer. And on the other hand, they were selling the most common breast cancer treatment, tamoxifen. And that company, AstraZeneca, part partnered up with the American Cancer Society, whose real focus on cancer is screening. I mean, it's a little bit of lifestyle, behavioral stuff when it comes to tobacco, but by and large, mm -hmm. the American Cancer Society thinks we can solve cancer through screening. And while that does work for some cancers like cervical cancer, that has not been true for breast cancer. So here you've got the American Cancer Society with this heavy screening agenda. You've got AstraZeneca, which is producing chemicals that may increase the risk of disease and is certainly producing a treatment for the disease, and no one is talking about true primary prevention. Everybody makes money, right? Mm -hmm. The folks that are doing the screening 
you know, the, the companies that are developing the technology for screening make money, the hospitals and the doctors that are screening make money, the women, you know, the, the pharmaceutical companies that treat the cancer make money, the nonprofits that then encourage folks to be part of this cycle make money, but there's nothing that's preventing breast cancer diagnoses in the first place. And so it ends up being this interlocking system where nonprofits are giving cover to companies which are making products that may contain chemicals that increase the risk of the disease. Everybody says how much they care, but too little is changing. Um, and that's what we call, that's what we call October Breast Cancer Industry Month. So I was thinking that one of the first things I came across years ago when I was looking for how to think about this issue was Breast Cancer Action's Think Before You Pink campaign. Um, that's what really got me to sort of start shifting my thinking and start giving me the tools I needed to ask questions because it gave me sort of a different framework. And I was kind of hooked because I felt like finally someone had put into words kind of how I'd been feeling about the pink ribbon, but also had devised an action-oriented way to address the issue. So that was super interesting and empowering for me. And so can you talk a little bit about Think Before You Pink and how it came about? Yeah, um, and, and the same. I mean, in my own way, that was also what brought me to Breast Cancer Action. Um, so Think Before You Pink emerged in the early 2000s. Our founders and our members were pretty outraged by the number of pink ribbon products flooding the market and how little there was to show for it. And I think, you know, the outrage that they were experiencing 10 years in has only multiplied over the decades since. They wanted to ask these hard questions. So Think Before You Pink began as this project that activists across the country launched called Follow the Money. They basically wanted to ask this simple question, where was all the pink ribbon money going? And to this day, I get calls from journalists asking me that same question. And I say, I would love for you to figure that out. That's what some good <laughs> yeah. investigative journalism would do because nobody really knows. No mm -hmm. one has a statistic that says exactly how much money has been raised in the name of breast cancer. But we know that it's a lot. And again, we know a lot of companies are making a lot of money off of it. Um, you know, the research shows that if you put a pink ribbon on something, the companies will sell more of that product with a pink ribbon on it. And they'll also gain, in addition to the short-term sales from that, they'll also gain this like long-term customer loyalty because people will think, well, here's a good company that really cares about women and women's health. Um, so the tools for Think Before You Pink that the organization developed um, back in 2002 included these critical questions to help people look past the pink ribbon and try to figure out for themselves what's really going on. So the first question is simply, is any money going to any breast cancer organization? Is any money being donated? Too many pink ribbon products um, put a pink ribbon on to spread awareness, but the companies are pocketing all the money. If money is donated to a breast cancer organization, which organization and what is that organization doing? Again, we see so many breast cancer charities that are focused on awareness and a lot of us are asking, is awareness what we need or do we need some real action at this point? I, I want to know, how do people get answers to these questions? 
So we say if you can't figure that out just by looking at the product, be suspicious. You know, this is mm-hmm. part of demanding accountability and transparency. We expect those companies to tell us so that we don't have to wonder. Um, you know, we can't just assume the best, as we've all learned when you see a pink ribbon. And so we expect the companies to be really transparent about that. That makes sense. If you have to look too hard for it, it's probably not there. <laughs> exactly. And then there's this other question that we encourage people to ask, which is, do you have to take an extra step or is there some sort of limit on the amount of money that's donated? So I think about Yoplait that had these yogurts with pink lids on it. And for many years, people had to kind of lick the lid, clean it off, put them in an envelope and mail them off back to the company to get the donation. So just buying the yogurt wasn't enough to get the donation. Mm-hmm. You had to do go through this process of sending the lids back. And then I think later they changed to kind of putting a special code into a website. But a lot of people didn't realize that they had to take this extra step before any money would be donated. Other companies like Reebok, for example, put a cap on their donations. So they say that they're transparent about how much money will be donated to what organization, but they say up to say $250,000. And there's no way to know when that cap has been met. It's not like all the pink Reebok jackets get pulled off the shelves because the cap's been met. Every purchase from there on is just going straight back to the company. And the last question that we encourage people to ask is, does this product put you or someone you love at increased risk for breast cancer? Does it contain these chemicals that may increase the risk of breast cancer or even interfere with treatments? And so we see that with a lot of the cosmetics you were talking about that contain phthalates and parabens and hormone disruptors. And we call that pinkwashing. So back in 2002, Breast Cancer Action looked at the hypocrisy of these companies that told us how much they care about breast cancer, and yet we're failing to take the basic steps to clean up their products. And they called it what it was. They coined the phrase pinkwashing to really highlight that hypocrisy. Um, So each October, we run our annual Think Before You Pink campaign, which targets those pinkwashing companies. So Karina, you were mentioning YoPlay and having to take that extra step of licking the lid and sending it in. And that makes me think about um, how YoPlay was one of the targets for one of the Think Before You Pink campaigns that was really impactful um, on a product that matters to me and a lot of people that I know, which is YoPlay which people eat a lot of, and that I know it had hormone disrupting chemicals in it. So can you talk about that campaign and maybe any others that were really successful about how they may have changed the thinking or the action of the public or corporations? Yes, Yamini. Uh, Yoplait is a really powerful example. So Yoplait was using dairy that was produced using a synthetic growth hormone called RBGH. And there was some concern that this synthetic growth hormone could increase the risk of breast cancer. And we launched our Think Before You Pink campaign urging them to stop using RBGH-stimulated dairy in their yogurts. And people really joined together to speak up and speak out. And it was really exciting because YoPlay and then also Dannon both pledged to stop using RBGH in their yogurts. And that meant that two-thirds of the yogurt market in the U.S. became RBGH-free. And that was really exciting. I think it's really a testimony or a powerful example of the way that when people come together, we can do so much more than any one of us can do on our own. 
Yeah, that is incredible. There's other examples too. Um, One of the first campaigns when I first came to Breast Cancer Action that shocked me was Susan G. Komen, the world's largest breast cancer charity, had commissioned a perfume that which was already sort of shocking for anybody who, you know, has been through cancer treatment or supported th- someone through cancer treatment. We know that the chemosensitivity is a real issue. And so just, you mm-hmm. know, most hospitals are fragrance free. It was like kind of so just, I don't know, off base and kind of um, counterintuitive. <laughs> it was just not grounded in the reality of the breast cancer experience to be pushing a perfume. So we bought that perfume, we purchased a bottle and we sent it off to a laboratory to do independent testing. And that lab sent back the results and we found that there were a number of chemicals of concern, including hormone disruptors and other chemicals linked to increased risk of breast cancer. So I reached out to Susan G. Komen and I let them know what we had found in the independent testing and I asked them to recall the perfume. And you know they sort of resisted and said it meets FDA standards, but the problem is not that it meets FDA standards because those standards are incredibly lax, especially when it comes to fragrance. The problem is that there's hormone disruptors that are linked to increased risk of breast cancer. And if you really care about breast cancer, you're not going to be encouraging people to use this. You're not going to be, um, you know, commissioning it and promoting it. In any event, you know, 5,000 or more people took action and called on Komen to stop making this perfume. There was a lot of media attention. And I'm pleased to say that that partnership was discontinued. Another really shocking example is, of course, the pink fracking drill bits. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we, we laugh so we don't cry, right? Exactly. It's just, it's, it's too unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And when we saw it, we didn't believe it ourselves. We had to check and double check to make sure that this wasn't some spoof. We had this company, Baker Hughes, that was painting drill bits pink and not just any pink but the Komen trademark pink and these pink drill bits got put into shipping crates along with brochures promoting mammograms and shipped across the world and then Baker Hughes sunk a ton of more money into these promotional videos telling us how much they care about breast cancer. Um, Unfortunately, fracking uses chemicals that may increase the risk of breast cancer and certainly a whole host of other health harms, um, carcinogens, hormone disruptors. There's a lot of immediate health effects and long-term health effects. And of course, one of the biggest chemicals of concern is benzene, which is so potent it can give men breast cancer. So here's Baker Hughes, who is exposing their workers to benzene and telling us how much they care about breast cancer. So we launched a campaign and were joined by tens of thousands of people across the country. We went to Pittsburgh, where Komen was going to receive this $100,000 check from Baker Hughes. And I feel really proud that we shamed Komen so that this was not a public ceremony. They sort of did this dirty deed in secret in a private box at the Steelers game because they could see that this was nothing to celebrate. This is something you need to do behind closed doors. Nobody was celebrating this. Um, And that partnership was also discontinued. Um, So I think we have a, a track record of really pushing back on both the charities that are providing cover to companies that are just claiming one thing and doing something else and also pushing the companies themselves to clean up their act. 
And I'm really excited about this year's Think Before You Paint campaign. I hope everyone will tune in to our next episode, which is about how one of these pinkwashing corporations is exploiting our concern about breast cancer for their own profit. Um, we're going to talk about what you can do to hold that company accountable and make sure that they show us how much they care by cleaning up their business so they're not contributing to the risk of breast cancer. Yamini, you know us on staff. And what I can tell you is that we are on fire about it. I'm super excited. <laughs> it's it's exciting and outraging both. Yeah. I mean, every time we find something new while we're doing our campaign research, we're shouting and sometimes cursing. I mean, it's fist thumping, desk pounding. It's just so egregious. It's horrifying. Um, but I think what's exciting is that we really have the power to make a difference um, when we raise our voices together. And I hope that folks will tune in and join us in the campaign. Um, so be sure to subscribe so that you're the first to hear our next episode with this year's Think Before You Pink campaign. It will get you fired up. Well, Karina, thank you for having me um, today to talk with you. I'm so honored and grateful to be a part of Breast Cancer Action. I love having you on the board, Yamini, and thank you for sharing your experiences and thoughts with everyone today. We'll look forward to more. Hey, thanks for listening to the Breast Cancer Action Podcast. All of our podcasts are available on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Give us a five-star review and be sure to subscribe. We want to hear from you. Tell us your stories, share your questions. Let us know who you want to hear from and who we should invite as a guest on the show. You can share your ideas by emailing info at bcaction.org or reaching out on Facebook or Twitter. While you're there, sign up for the emails to get the latest on all the rest of Breast Cancer Action's work. And if you value what you heard today, please support our work by donating on our website, bcaction.org because together we can do something besides worry.